Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Good afternoon on a beautiful Tuesday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined as always by producers G. Hay Wiley and Armani Buckets. How are we doing on this glorious Tuesday? You know what? I'm I'm doing great. Lakers not so much, but I'm doing awesome. <laughs> and anytime the Lakers are losing, I'm doing awesome. Oh. So I'm I'm doing wonderful. You know, yesterday was one of the best days in a long time for for myself personally. Uh, Mitch Trubisky is a starting quarterback in the NFL again. <laughs> and honestly, Jihei, I was hoping it was the Giants. I don't know if you were hoping it was the Giants, no, but I, I was hoping it was the Giants. Uh, uh, I was so glad for that announcement. I've been ready to go to Pittsburgh. So happy. Very, very happy. But you know what? I was hoping that Jihei would, you know, get a quarterback that could, you know, do a little bit of something in the because uh, it is depressing to see Ga when her Giants play and they're not good. And then we get the Giants fan here, we get a Bears fan here. It's, it's, uh, no, uh, it's Steelers miserable. fan. I, I, oh, so, I wow. promise you, it's You're done. I'm, I'm done. What? Why would I stay? <laughs> they have made me miserable for way too long. Steelers. Speaking of being miserable, uh, a lot to get into in today's headlines. So let's get to today's headlines. Brought to you by Circus Sports. All right, stop me if you've heard this before, guys, but the Lakers <laughs> lost last night. This time to the Toronto Raptors on 114 to 103 at Crypto.com. It's still Staples, man. It's just I weird. It's still weird. Uh, but Crypto.com Arena, the Lakers are now 29 and 39, a season worth 10 games behind or 10 games below 500 with just 14 games left in the season. Lakers trailed 33 to 12 after the first quarter and were down by 28 points in the third quarter. The Lakers are now just one game from falling to the number 10 seed and three games from dropping out of the play-in tournament altogether. Guys, how do they finish this season? They're going to finish it at home. No, just kidding. No, they, they, they are so bad right now. Um, here's where I have a problem with this team, and we touched on it during the show on Monday following that loss to the uh, Suns on on Sunday, where they gave up 48 points in the first quarter, which I did not think was possible, had not been done in the history of the Lakers franchise. And then they come back, and Frank Vogel touched on it pregame. He touched on it and said, we cannot fall down by 20 points in the first quarter. We cannot fall down by 30 points in the uh, you know second half. I mean, we just can't do that. We have to find a way to you know at least keep games close, give them a chance to succeed that's my biggest issue with this team buckets. I mean, when you're giving up 48 points in the first quarter, when you're giving up, you know, when you're down by uh, 30 in the third quarter, I mean, these games are just not close. The problem was that by the time the first time out in the game happened, at eight minutes left in the first quarter, yeah. the game was over last night. It's crazy. Yeah. And that's when you boo. I would have been booing if I was sure. in the crowd. I mean, I know the players don't like that kind of stuff, but they didn't even show up to perform last night. And now seven of their next eight games are on the road. They are so fortunate that Portland is tanking. Exactly. San That's Antonio is probably tanking. Sacramento's trying to win games, but they just can't. Yeah. So they're lucky because if, if any of those teams had a pulse, they would be out of the playing tournament. 100%. I mean, gee, I mean, if Portland cared, I mean, if Portland does not make that trade with New Orleans for season, 
for CJ McCollum. I think Portland, just by the fact that the Lakers are bad, and you just touched on it, and we'll touch on it again, this road trip where th- is where things can get really ugly for this team. They, they're 10 games below 500, so they, they're, they're pretty bad already. But Portland may just sneak into that 10 seed because the Lakers, I mean, during this road trip, they could fall right out of the playing tournament. Yeah, I mean, considering how the Lakers are playing, it wouldn't shock me if they did fall out of that play at that play-in tournament. Um, yeah, and I mean, Portland might Portland might just buy buy a fluke, right? They yeah. might uh, just be like, you know what? We're gonna show up today. It's gonna it's gonna be all gravy. And it's the Lakers right now. Like just the way that they're playing, it's just it's really not, it's not Laker basketball. No, and the fact that like LeBron didn't even show up. Which I'm sure we're going to get to um, to that press conference was just horrendous. It just shows, you know, kind of where they're at right now as a team. And yeah, wh- wh- where they might. By the way, what up. you just touched on is the scouting report on the Lakers. If you just show up, if you play hard, <laughs> you have a chance to beat this team because they are so bad right now. Yeah, just, no, definitely, definitely. Um, after last night's game, LeBron James did not address reporters, as I just said a little before, and Russell Westbrook spoke for less than 90 seconds. Where's the accountability on this team, and who's to blame for the way this season is going? Listen, there's a lot of blame to go around. You do have to start with LeBron James. I do think it's ridiculous that he did not address reporters, because he just be like Russ. Russ showed up, you know, gave non-answers for 90 seconds, and then left. Uh, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, people want to blame Rob Palinka. Rob Palinka, at the end of the day, kind of did what LeBron James wanted. And I think this is where player empowerment can be taken a little bit too far where, and I don't know why, LeBron James, who has, you know, knows more about the game than just about anyone else. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, question his, his, uh, his ability to scout talent. How he could have said Russell Westbrook is the guy that I want for this team makes no sense to me whatsoever. I think there's a lot of people who know less than him about basketball who said this is clear as day. This is not going to work. I, I mean, I don't know what LeBron is saying. I don't know what Rob Plink is saying, but this is not going to work. And when people are shocked at how bad of a defensive team this Lakers is, I, I, I say, well, look at who they lost. You know, they lost Caruso. They lost KCP. They lost Kuzma. They, they lost a lot of guys who at least tried to play some defense. And, and this... Um, you know, again, a lot of accountability to go around. Russell Westbrook never adjusted his game or, or, or changed the way he played for this team. LeBron never took accountability for how as bad as this trade was and how, um, listen, this was the move that he wanted. And then Rob Plink, I, I don't know when the last time he talked to the media, but what the heck were you thinking, man? The crazy thing is we can take this back even further. I'm sure we're going to get to the Clippers later, but Ivica Zubats had 24 points, 14 rebounds last night. They traded him away for, for Mike nothing. Muscala. Exactly. And this is years ago, but how good would he be on this Laker team? Yeah. He would maybe be their second best player with Anthony Davis hurt. So you look at the moves that they've made to get to this point. The accountability is on the roster construction. And that, like you said, LeBron is very, very responsible for the construction of this roster. Yeah, no, I mean, at the end of the day, we all want to blame Palinka. We all want to play, blame Vogel. It's LeBron, man. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's it's his team. And I said it before they did it. I said it when it was possibly in the works. Why Russell Westbrook? It just doesn't make it. It didn't make any sense then. It's not making any sense now. Um, let us all pray that they can get rid of him and just move forward from this tobacco, from this mess. 
I, I don't know. I, I don't know how they're going to do that. Where like where are all these other players going to come from? How are they going to be able to dump? You know, that's a huge. Yeah. Con- and again, like we said, it's a huge contract. You know, so it's a forty-seven million dollar contract. So they have to find a three-team tr- deal there. So they have to get a third team involved. They have to also. Um, you know, maybe sweeten the pot and also, you know, like get in a couple of first round draft picks, THT, something. But they got to move on from Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Moving on, the Lakers play seven of their next eight games on the road and expect Anthony Davis to come back during that trip. LeBron James is also expected to pass Carl Malone to become the second leading scorer in NBA history on this trip. What would be a successful record over these next eight games? And could the return of AD and LeBron's historic night help jumpstart the Lakers? Listen, I mean, you, you got to win as many games as possible. And I know that's simplistic, but they don't have that many games left. And let's go through it real quick because they will not be favored in the majority of this, these games. They go at Minnesota. That's a loss, I think, with the way Minnesota's playing. At Toronto, we just saw how that played out. At Washington, we saw how that played out. Although, So that's perhaps a win. At Cleveland... Come back home briefly to play the Sixers. That's a loss. Um, at New Orleans, we saw how that played out. That, that's a that, that's a preview of the 9-10 matchup. At Dallas, that's... <laughs> at Utah. There's only I mean, one game that they're favored. This is going to be ugly. It this could is, get yeah. very ugly. There's only the Wizards game that they're going to be that's favored. It. Yeah. And they might not even be favored in that game. Who knows? I mean, they're on the road. Back, second night of a back-to-back. They might... <laughs> Honestly, yeah, win one, two games somewhere in there. Have you seen a team quit as quickly as... I mean, so the Suns game was fascinating to me because someone clipped uh, a a two-minute stretch where, like, LeBron did not oh, yeah. move at all, you know? <laughs> and I never would have thought LeBron would have been a stat patter, but, like, he wants to win the scoring title. So whether they lose by 30 and he scores 30, it seems like he's okay with it, but... When you give up 48 points in the first quarter, when you are down by 20 points in the first, like, that's actually hard to do. Like, like even if you get blown out at the end of the game, things happen. But when you give up 48 points in the first quarter or, or when you're down by more than 20 in the first quarter, you didn't even show up. Now, I don't know about last night, but for example, with that Suns game, Vogel is doing them no favors either. Going against DeAndre Ayton and playing LeBron at center, at some point you have to realize yeah. it's not helping your defense yeah. at all. You have to play a big man, even if it's Wenyan Gabriel, play somebody to at least protect the paint, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah. but at this point in the season, I mean, it doesn't I matter. Mean, let, let LeBron, let yeah. LeBron <laughs> pad those stats, yeah. man. Like, let him, let him be and just do, do work or whatever and try to get that scoring record. I mean... <laughs> At this point, are we really going to sit there and be like, you know, this, these rotations yeah, and just yeah, like, yeah. I feel like everybody's just got to move on and just be like, you know what, if they can get a win, one win out of this seven, eight game, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or even maybe two, good for them. The most interesting thing is, so they play the Pelicans um, twice during this stretch. They play them March 27th and then they play them again on the 1st. And so what we're going to have here is a little bit of a preview. I, I think no matter what, they'll likely be in that 9-10 game. The last time that they played, remember, they lost by 28 yeah, points. It, it was, was not ugly. close. Yeah. Very ugly. Yeah. Well, the Clippers lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers 120 to 111 last night and are now just one game above 500 at 36 and 35. But they're, they have a better record than the Lakers. Um, they've lost two of their last three games and play Toronto tomorrow night. 
They're currently the number eight seed and would play Minnesota in the play-in tournament. How do you guys see the Clippers finishing out the season with just 11 games left? Yeah, I mean, I, I like the Clippers, obviously, to play Minnesota. I don't like them to win that game. I mean, the way Minnesota's playing right now, they are a very good team. Carl Anthony Towns, what did he drop? 60. 60, 60 amazing. 61, so, 61, I think. Incredible. Right? So just, uh, you know, I, I don't like them to win that game. Um, then it's the question of, you know, they, they would play the winner of, again, the 7-8 is not a winner go home. The loser of that game will, would, would, would play the, uh, perhaps the winner of the Lakers-Pelicans game. By the way, that's why I think the Lakers have no chance of making it to the first round because <laughs> their pathway is this. They would have to play New Orleans in the 9-10 matchup, and they just got blown out by them. And even if they find a way to win that game, they got to play the Clippers, likely, and they've lost seven straight against that team. Like, I don't see a pathway for them to just get to the first round. So, um... You know. Yeah, even though it's like it's playoff time, not not necessarily like regular season because regular season versus the playoffs are two totally different things. It's the same. I mean, at some point you got to wake up. At some point you got ten games left in the season. Like if you're not playing hard and pretending like these are playoff games, like I don't know what. Like like I don't think there's like a switch with this team. Like oh. They've been holding it. Like, they're <laughs> actually, they kind of mailed in the last seven times they played the Clippers. And, you know, I, I think you, you, you have to have some pride. You know, when you lose by 30 points to a team at home, you know, like, like, like these games are so depressing to watch for fans, especially those who paid a ton of money at the beginning of the season. Because what, what do you do? At the beginning of the season, the schedule comes out and you pick the games you want to watch. And you're like, oh, my God, it's like LeBron James and, and it's it is Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook and Carmelo and... These games are not close, like, even in the first quarter. Like, we just touched on it. They're down by 30 points in the third quarter. So let's say the Lakers do, in fact, beat the Pelicans in the playing game. Let's say they play the Clippers. That'd be amazing. And let's say optimistic. (laughs) Let's say they beat the Clippers. You know, you win two in a row, and you're in the first round of the playoffs. Do they—I mean, this is ridiculous to say. I know they want to get there, but do they want to get there? Phoenix— See, there's no pathway for them to do anything. I mean, like, this is their pathway. They have to beat the Pelicans, a team that blew them out by 30. And then if they win that, they would have to play the Clippers, another team that blew them out recently. And if they win that game, they're going to go up against the Suns, a team that they're just blew them out. humiliate them. Yeah, so, I mean, like, there's... It's at, at some point, it's like, why? I, like, what's the, like, you got, I don't think they're going to beat the Pelicans, but even if they do, and the Clippers game would be very kind of interesting, I think, because they've never played it in the playoffs, and that would yeah. be a do-or-die, win-or-go-home game. That would be a fun matchup. At the very least, the Clippers, I mean, sorry, the Laker fans would say, we eliminated the Clippers, we advanced, and, you know, whatever. But they, they would get swept out. They would get swept by the Phoenix Suns would, right now. It would yeah. be funny to hear the Clipper fans saying, are you going to hang a banner for that <laughs> exactly. yeah. Yeah. but yeah I mean it, this is going to be there's no pathway for them to do a thing this season you know again I don't think they beat the Pelicans I don't think that they beat the Clippers and even if they get that far I don't think they beat the Suns well the late uh, the Las Vegas Sportsbook are questioning whether sizable bets on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl before Sunday were made based on inside information that quarterback Tom Brady was coming out of retirement. Tampa Bay was a 60-1 to long shot on Thursday to win the 2023 Super Bowl when some sharp bettors wagered big money on the Bucks to win the conference and NFL titles. One book wants the NFL to investigate the matter. Is there anything the league can actually do? There's really nothing that the league can do. I mean, the only investigation that the league would have is if someone wants to say that an associate of Tom Brady or someone within the league had insider information and placed a wager. But I mean, if it's someone who's 
here's the thing. Like, you couldn't even investigate this. If a friend of a friend of Tom Brady said, I think he's going to come back or that he will come back, you can't investigate that. So, I mean, the only way that there's something for the league to look into is if Tom Brady is profiting off this, if someone within the league is profiting off this. At the end, at the end of the day, by the way, that's the risk these books take with futures. I mean, and by the way, we don't know if Tom Brady is going to lead the Bucks to a Super Bowl, but... I mean, you'd rather have 60 to 1 odds than 10 to 1. Books will always know. If you ever talk to someone who like places these odds, before the Anthony Davis trade, one of the bookmakers called me, and I think it was like 10 minutes before the, the, the Woj bomb or whatever. I mean, people know. And I don't know how they get to whatever, whether they got a proxy or whether they know someone who knows someone, but like, Whenever a big bet comes in out of nowhere, it's not out of nowhere. It's not coming from Joe Fan, who's like, I'm a Lakers fan. I'm putting 20 grand on this team. It's like, you got some insider information there. Yeah, I mean, that's isn't that kind of what everybody is trying to get, right? But like, there's only, I've, you could count on one hand the number of people who like know for sure. So I, I guess what the sports book is saying is, how did they know? Is this person, and I don't know how you would prove this, but maybe I mean, this would be a hell of a story if you could. Is it someone connected to Tom Brady? Is it someone connected to Giselle or his family? Like, this is not someone making a a guess. This is someone who's actually saying, okay, I know this for sure. I'm putting 10 grand on them to win or something, 20 grand or whatnot. Yeah, but I mean, that's all suspect, though. That's not like, that's not, it's not. Well, it's not. I mean, they know for sure, like, by Thursday, like, they, they, they were taking five-digit bets, multiple five-digit, like, uh, like okay. out of nowhere. So it's like, um, but I guess the larger question and to the point is sportsbooks wants the league to look into this. The only way the league would even care about this is... Is if somebody else was if, profiting Well, in if, there. if someone within the league was, like, placing this bet or, like, say, you know, there was a press release that was going to be released at 1 p.m. and that at 12.50, someone placed a big bet and it's like, is it the a PR person? You know, so... I don't think there's anything for, you know, someone to look at here, but th- that's the risk that, that, yeah. that you take. Yeah, that's the risk you take when you're when you are placing down some bets. All right. Well, the Chargers this offseason, who we haven't really been talking about, have traded for Pro Bowl pass rusher Khalil Mack. There we Chicago go. Bulls, or Chicago Bulls, Chicago. That's uh, his Bears, former team, apparently. <laughs> uh, and signed Pro, um, Pro Bowl cornerback. J.C. Jackson and defensive lineman Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day. The Chargers are uh, were always already bringing back Pro Bowlers Justin Herbert, Joey Bosa, Keenan Allen, Rashawn Slater, Corey Lindsley, and Derwin James. How good can the Chargers be next season, guys? You just said the names. This may be the most talented team in the league next season. No, no one's going to talk about them, maybe because they're the Chargers and they missed out on the playoffs a year ago. On paper, GM, we've talked about this. On paper, they may be the most talented team in the league. I like the Chargers in the next season, and I have to give them credit. They realize the Rams just won the Super Bowl. This has always been the battle for Los Angeles, and they realize that they could not just kind of sleepwalk through this time period. The Rams are going for a second straight Super Bowl. They're going to run it back. They are going to be one of the top five teams in the league next year. The Chargers are still battling for the hearts and the minds and the pocketbooks of Los Angeles. And they went all in, getting Khalil Mack, getting J.C. Jackson, getting Austin Johnson, bringing these players into a team with already six Pro Bowlers. 
they are going to be a fantastic team next year. I'm, I'm looking at the odds. They, they're, they're not favored. I might while we're in Vegas, G, take out a flyer on the Los Angeles Chargers. It's not a horrible idea. No. I mean, this roster is stacked. Like, stacked. Yeah. This is ridiculous. This is probably one of those, like, low-key bets that you make. And then you're and yeah. then you're like you're rolling it in like if this is this is something I mean if I had the money I'd be like here's ten grand on the Chargers just right? in case you know um, or at least to win. You well, know. because here's the thing I mean there's so much focus on uh, you know like the Packers and obviously Tampa Bay and things like that and no one's ever thinking that the, the Chargers are going to win. They are fine with Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Michael. Defensively, what they've done. You know about Khalil Mack, what he can do. You you pair Khalil Mack with Joey Bosa on the defensive side of the ball. I know the West is going to be very tough. That's why the odds on the Chargers are, are not that great. They're in the same conference as the Chiefs, as uh, the Denver Broncos now, with Russell Wilson and the Las Vegas Raiders. But, man, I am going to take a flyer out on the Las Vegas. Sorry, on the I will take a flyer out on the Los Angeles Chargers While we are in Las Vegas, all right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we will talk more about the Lakers and the Clippers with our good friend Ryan Rosillo from The Ringer. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and The Fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. All right, now joining us on the Circus Sports Guest Hotline is our good friend Ryan Rosillo from The Ringer. Ryan, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, a lot has changed since the last time we talked to you. I think we may have talked to you before the beginning of this season when everyone was very excited about the Lakers, not just the sports books, but also the uh, GMs out there. I do feel the need to point that out. It wasn't just the super fans out there. We have not seen a train wreck like this in quite some time. And it is fascinating by the minute just because the locker rooms are closed. For example, last night, LeBron did not talk to the media. Russell Westbrook talked to the media for less than 90 seconds. What, what do you make of this? I don't like we've we've seen teams fail to reach the, their like expectations. They are 10 games below 500, right? I don't know if we've ever seen anything quite like this. Yeah, you know, the thing I can't get past, though, is that if Anthony Davis were healthy, I mean, they'd still be, uh, I wouldn't be picking them to win the West, but they, they'd probably be a top six seed, which yeah. I know is not the standard that the Lakers have for themselves. And I feel like when things go bad, then it turns into everybody's like, well, this roster was terrible. Um, I still think with Davis being the best version of himself, is it's closer probably to a top five player than a top ten player. He's not in that conversation anymore because the guy just can't stay healthy. I thought he came in this year bulkier because I think he got annoyed at being called soft. Uh, I think those guys on TNT like got in his head a little bit. I think he's a little impressionable that way. And I thought he'd try to come back bigger. I don't know if that meant that he was out of shape or in shape or, you know, just in a, in, in shape of being bigger. And then it all backfired. And he just has a hard time staying on the floor, which has been kind of the story for a good chunk of his career. But I would still think if you had Davis and LeBron at this level, you still, again, I don't think they would be better than Golden State. They wouldn't be better than Phoenix. Probably not better than Utah regular season-wise. You know, Memphis is a, is a serious contender here. Um, 
but it'd be a lot better than this. So what happens is Davis is out, and now it all starts compounding. The Russell Westbrook thing to this day it didn't make any sense when they did it. Uh, it's made even less sense since. He's the worst off-the-ball player that's considered a star in the entire league. He doesn't shoot. He can't shoot. He doesn't set screens. He's never been bothered to his entire career. Um, there's just not a lot there. And the problem is that when Russell Westbrook looks in the mirror, he still sees an MVP, um, which is great to have confidence, but it's not great when you can't really fit into the role of, of what this team needs to do because LeBron needs to be surrounded by shooters, not another guy that's a ball-dominant player that needs the ball at time to just slash and, and drive. So I don't know why LeBron, who's a really, really smart basketball mind, I don't know why he thought it would work. It didn't. And then when you take Davis out of the equation, Westbrook trying to make up some of that difference actually makes it even worse. Yeah. And then when you have those three guys with that kind of money, you know, there's, I mean, the, the best stories for this Lakers season are Malik Monk and Austin Reeves. And they don't, they don't defend. And I think they hold themselves, they, they are a group of players that have had, you know, at the top end, they've done so many big things that it, it probably leads to them being way more frustrated than just a team that's bad because they, they're just shot mentally, it seems like, these last few weeks. You know, the thing that doesn't make sense to me, it is so hard to put together a team that can win a championship. And that team that won the championship was so close because of all the stuff they went through that year. The preseason stuff in China, the passing of Kobe, the pandemic, 100 days in Florida together. And it was going to be hard to repeat the following year. 70 days off, you know. And they were so quick, to your point, and, and I'm surprised, like, even if LeBron is the quasi-GM, the fact that you trade Kuzma, KCP, you let Caruso walk, I mean, at the very least, if they brought that group back, like, I don't know if they win it all, but this is this that team defends, that team played together, there was trust there. I've never seen a team so quick to move on past a team that proved they can win a championship. Well, I might... You might be right. I don't think that team was special. Okay. You know, I think the circumstances were special. And them trying to reconfigure it around two really good players, LeBron and AD, like, I kind of got what they were doing. I just didn't understand the choices. And that's why, you know, ironically enough, it feels like that Buddy Heel deal should have been the one that would have happened because there would have been less um, risk because you're still looking at a $47 million number for Westbrook next yeah. year, which... You know, good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, Montrez doesn't really defend, but at least, you know, he, he's a small five that can, can allow you to adapt to some of the smaller lineups that you may have to face against some of the other teams in the West. But at the same time, you still need somebody big, and that's why I think they've always been so pro-Dwight because there's a lot of other big guys in the West. So I don't mind them trying to figure it out um, after 2019, because I didn't think that 2019 team was built in a way that's like, hey, this is this is a really special team. We can't break this group up. I think the problem is the league is so obsessed with stars, and for good reason. Like a lot of teams, the, the program is how do we how do we put three stars together? Because if we have three stars, we have a chance to win a championship. I think Westbrook is a star in marketing circles, in branding. Um, his resume would tell you that. He makes the top 75 list. Um, so a lot of teams will ask, like, hey, are you worried about how these guys will fit together? They'll be like, you know, a lot of these guys are really good enough to sort of figure it out. And sometimes it works, <laughs> and sometimes it doesn't. But from just a basketball standpoint, I mean, this is really on LeBron as much as it is anybody. 
Um, and LeBron, somebody I, I love. I love watching him play. I love his career. I mean, I, there's so much about him I really like, but I'll never understand how somebody that's so locked into the league would have thought that that was a good fit, other than I think they just thought the profile of three of those players were just going to roll through people. And if he ages and the Davis question mark, like the only part about the Westbrook thing I thought could work was that when LeBron and AD were going to take time off, Raj, that his energy would kind of sustain them and keep them at a certain level. And that's that's not even close to it. So I don't mind if they broke up the team that won the title, but the way they went about it, you know, LeBron needs shooters. He needs drive and kick options. And they don't really have enough of those, especially if the other guy, the guy needs the ball in his hands all the time, still thinks he deserves it, which is probably the biggest problem. Yeah, I know, Ryan, you're you're definitely right on Westbrook. Um, We could talk um, all day long about the woulda, coulda, shouldas, but what do the Lakers need to do now in order to move on past this and, you know, maybe even contend for a title this year? Because let's get real. this Or next year, sorry, because let's get real. This year's a wrap. Yeah, you're right. But I don't think they're going to shut anything down. Uh, LeBron's not going to shut it down because he's going for Kareem's scoring record. You know, that's that's very clear uh, if you've watched him play. So, And then when you look at the teams in the play-in game chasing him, like the Pelicans can definitely get him. But then that would put the Lakers at 10. I mean, if you can name three guys for the Trailblazers that are getting minutes right now, then you should get a job in the front office. Because, I mean, there's... <laughs> The teams behind them are are pretty much a full tank mode, so it's going to be actually hard to even catch the Lakers. I don't know. It could happen because they've been so bad. Uh, the first thing is figuring out Anthony Davis. It is. It's just figuring out Anthony Davis. But I also thought that the All-Star weekend was a real wake-up call. And, and maybe it shouldn't be a wake-up call. I would say a warning shot is a better way to phrase it. A warning shot by LeBron to the Lakers about the future. And the future is him hoping to still get a big, big contract extension, um, which, you know, gets a little scary with basketball players that many minutes, but he's kind of defied the odds here. So it may not be the worst gamble, but it's also LeBron putting the pressure on ownership in front office that you better figure out a way to solve this thing because I'm not just here to hang out. Like, I'm expecting to still compete for rings, which is what every great player thinks they're doing. It doesn't mean that you necessarily get one, but LeBron at every step, whether it was his first run in Cleveland, Miami, the second run in Cleveland, and now it's starting to feel like that again with the Lakers. LeBron and his camp are very motivated to constantly put pressure on the front office. Sometimes with stuff that's real and sometimes stuff that I think is sort of a waste of time by like praising Cleveland and could I come back here? And you know, he just starts to plant these little seeds thinking that motivates a team to try to get better when I'd argue, you know, look, it's the Lakers. It's not like they're not trying to get better all the time. So um, you've got a decision with LeBron. It's probably going to have some weird bumpy moments throughout it. I don't know if Anthony Davis can be saved because I still love him as a player. I've argued like, hey, I'll take all of your Anthony Davis stock, but it still doesn't feel like the safest bet. And then even with Westbrook's huge number, you can't really bring him back. Yeah. So you're going to have to figure out a way and unfortunately probably attach an asset, which is also what LeBron is pushing them to do. Like, he didn't care about your 2027 pick. Attach some sort of asset to bring, I don't know what you would bring back with Westbrook, but like he can't be on the team next year. He just can't be. Yeah. But that's why the trade didn't, another reason it didn't make any sense in the first place, because it's even if it's an expiring and some team that doesn't have a lot of team salary needs to be the salary floor, uh, what kind of pieces you're actually getting back that add any value? And that's, you know, that's LeBron's fault that they're in this position. 
Ryan, can you put into context what LeBron is doing this year? Because if you had told me before this season that the Lakers would be 10 games below 500, I'd be like, okay, someone's hurt. But also LeBron at some point has to hit a wall. In year, he's about to go into his 20th season next year. He's turning 38 in December. He's leading the league in scoring. Um, this is sort of like the NBA's version of Tom Brady, and we'll touch on that in a bit. Like What he's doing defies logic. Well, that part of it is, is incredible. You know, that's the part where, you know, I try to separate, like, if you like a player and you appreciate a player and you want to compliment a player, you know, just because there's other things, I almost feel like it's weird whenever we have, like, some things we like about athletes and then we'll point out something we don't like about an athlete and it's like, oh, you hate that athlete. It's like, no, not at all. You know, I can't believe you wanted Westbrook as a teammate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's, he's exhausting himself every night now. And, you know, he paces himself defensively, which I think is fair to say, and you know, he's done it, he's picked the spots. You know, it's, it's funny, because over the years of watching him in L.A., I'll notice him where I feel like he's not really giving it everything, but then we'll have like this eight-minute burst in the third quarter, and then you look at his final numbers, and you're like, he had 31, 10, and 8 again. Like, this guy, I, I think in a way, he proves that if you're really special and you want to take most of the offensive possessions, like, like a lot of guys can get like 40 plus yeah. a lot of them. I think there's probably, you know, eight to ten guys that they really wanted to in today's game say average to see if I can get 40 or 50. There's probably a few more guys that could. Um, but with him in the minute total, and that, you know, he rarely, other than a couple years ago and, and you know, a little tweaks here or there the last two seasons, he's still a good bet to be in your lineup almost every night. For him to do it, uh, the way he's doing it, you know, that Kareem number is going to get a lot closer, a lot quicker if he can keep up this pace. I would say, though, to, to be fair, one thing that I find frustrating with him is that once it goes south, he is very theatrical in making you realize or wanting to prove to you that it's almost like he's not associated with these guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. And he did, it, he did it last night, um, and I think he'll do it a few more times before the season ends. And I'd rather him just, hey, look, your team isn't going to be any good. I know it's really frustrating. You have to show us that you're frustrated, but you don't have to be to the point where, like, look, you're still on the Lakers. You can't wear a third jersey, all right? <laughs> so, you know, keep putting up the points and, and get closer to the record, and, and they'll reassess in the summer. The Clippers are a unique team to me because, again, I, I think with about 10 games left in the season, we can kind of, uh, you know, safely say or presume no Kawhi, no Paul George, but this team fights. I mean, you know, they've, they've had 12 games coming back from the double figures, um, you know, they had like a 35-point comeback against Washington. I mean, Ty Lue doesn't get enough credit. I think he is this season. This kind of reminds me of the summer where they got Kawhi and they got Paul George, where they were they exceeded expectations, uh, seven or eight seed, the lose in the first round or play in tournament. But coming into this summer, Ryan, you, you're going to get Paul George back. You're going to get Kawhi back. Your thoughts on what this team has done this year in terms of just finding ways to come back and win and then again, you're going into the summer where, again, if, if things go as planned, you're going to get Kawhi and you're going to get Paul George. I'm blown away by what the Clippers have done. Uh, Ty Lue, you know, he's not going to win Coach of the Year, but this is Coach of the Year type stuff. Um, when you watch their rotations and you realize you have all of these resources put into two guys that aren't playing this year, and you know whether it's Batum's resurgence, who when he first got there, I don't know, the first week or two of the season, I was like, uh-oh. Um, <laughs> but never underestimate a Frenchman's 
ability to revive his career as an NBA player because yeah. Boris Diaw looked like he was absolutely <laughs> toast, and then he got to San Antonio. He was like, ah. so I don't know if it's I don't know if that's just, I, we have two examples. Probably need a few more before that's a working <laughs> theory. Um, you know, Zubac's a good player. Reggie Jackson totally figured out his career by going, hey, you're not a heavy ISO point guard who runs the offense. You're a really tough guy to stay in front of, and you can score in a multitude of ways. And the game opening up has helped him, and I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. I mean, Mirakaki's hitting minutes. Um, you know, Terrence Mann's resurgence. I know Boston kind of won't shoot unless he has the basketball. But there's a lot of pieces here that aren't really starters. And that they're this competitive for this long, uh, I'm, I'm completely blown away by them. I, I mean, they, they show more fight uh, than a lot of teams that have much better talent. Ryan, so a week ago this time, Tampa Bay was 60-1 to long shots to win the Super Bowl. You guys have been talking on the show where, like, you and Bill have kind of hinted that, you know, like, he, he may not be done. He may not be retired. A lot of sports books in Vegas, like, this was like a front-page story today in the Las Vegas, re, re, Las Vegas Review Journal saying, the league needs to, like, investigate this because people knew what was happening. But... Your thoughts on Tom Brady effectively coming back one month? I don't know if you can call it a retirement after one month, but um, they go from 60 to 1 to 10 to 1. And again, there's not a ton of franchise Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and he played amazing a year ago. Your thoughts on Tom? I don't have, um, I would, you know, I, it's not like I played any, any games that anybody cared about, um, <laughs> but because of jobs, you know, different stuff over the last, you know, however many years I've been doing this, um, getting to know football players, becoming friends with them. Every single guy that I've known that plays in the NFL, and I talked to him at the end of the season, 90 plus percent of them want to retire right after wow. the season's over. And I'm talking about guys like South of 30. That would be like, <laughs> I hate this. And then guess what happens? They're like, oh, you know what? I feel a little better. The workouts start going a little bit and they start thinking about the competitive part of it and how just cool it is running out of that tunnel on a Sunday and getting to do something like that and making all that money. Um, not that Tom needs it as much as some other guys because it gets a little weird when you start going, wait, how much money am I going to make if I don't do this? Uh, the worst time to ask somebody about their NFL future is right after the season ends. Yeah. So I think Tom could have potentially been a little bit of a victim of that. There was also a story angle where he wanted to force his way to San Francisco, which some people still believe is in play, which you know, I'm not sure or not. But, I mean, look, we weren't sure a month ago, so I'm not necessarily going to rule anything out. But I'm I'm not surprised in the sense that right after the season is a tough time for everybody, especially somebody like him who's going on two decades. But if there's a slight percentage chance that you think you still want to play, I would always tell everybody to just keep going because you're not going to get that year back if you decided to. Like, if you're on the fence, then play because you can't change your mind later on, especially at his age. Um, last couple minutes with you, Ryan. Uh, you've been to many big events, many Super Bowls, and I was kind of biased. I thought Los Angeles, as a Super Bowl town, did extremely well. Again, you can't predict the weather. The weather was fantastic. The game was fantastic. This was sort of like the beginning of a lot of these big events coming back here in terms of, you know, World Cup, Olympics, things like that. Your thoughts on, you know, now that you live here, how did Los Angeles do? I, because I live here, I didn't do anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I told everybody, you know, not that I'm, I'm in such demand. I was like, if you want to see me, I'll be in Manhattan. <laughs> so, uh, 
as, as probably uh, as your co-host knows, I you know we we spent a, a lot of hours <laughs> with them, and I invited everybody down. I was like, why don't you check out my town? Because here's what I do know: because I've been to enough, I know how it works, and that you you have like three people that are on a list, and then like the other couple are like, well, I'll get in, and yeah. you're outside texting, and you stand around like an idiot for 45 <laughs> minutes, and then you get in, and then everybody gets in, and then somebody will be like, oh, or you don't get in. They're like, no, there's actually another place. And knowing what LA's like, I go, I'm not doing that this year. I'm not getting in an Uber and then chasing around something all night because we heard Jamie Foxx is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Jamie Foxx. Is, so I just said, look, I'll uh, I'll be in Manhattan Beach. And it was great because a bunch of different groups came down throughout the week. And LA did a great job, but I think Manhattan Beach did even better. And by the way, I don't <laughs> want to be that guy, but what's with the NBA having the All Star Game? It's um, it was Cleveland this year. Next year it's Utah, I think. And not to knock Utah, but it's just like you got to mix in Miami, uh, Phoenix, Los Angeles more. Or well, what's your take on it being Cleveland to Salt Lake? I I think it's um I think it's cool actually like I, I get your point you know and you know I did Jacksonville Super Bowl yeah which is probably not my highlight um, <laughs> you know football is pretty predictable that if you get a new stadium they give you the Super Bowl you know the Minneapolis one I missed out on and it sounds like I didn't I didn't miss much I mean but Indianapolis is actually a really good event yeah it's, it's so convenient and all that stuff but look most people would rather hang out in New Orleans for four or five days than they would Indianapolis you know yeah are. So I get the event thing and feeling like it should be a rotation. Of, I mean, Miami's really convenient. It's been great. But I also think it's kind of cool to just have it be in a market that maybe isn't as used to getting those. I mean, we we shouldn't be so spoiled. L.A. gets a ton of stuff. Yeah. These big cities get tons of stuff all the time. So I think it's kind of cool. You know, granted, I'm not saying, like, the NBA community is going to rush to Salt Lake the way it would, say, <laughs> Houston. Yeah. But I don't think you should just be crossing off certain cities that are part of the part of the league. I agree. I agree. I would like to see it come back to Vegas. GA and I are um, heading there uh, for for March Madness this weekend, so that should be fun. All right, Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. You're the best. Let's uh, do it again soon. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.